This is Natalie Vecchione, the host of FASD Hope, and you're listening to Moments of Grace with Dr. A. Jerome Butler. Our podcast has been nominated for five SPIN Awards. I would like to thank you for listening and also for your votes to the nominating committee at the SPIN Awards. Thank you all so much for recognizing our moments of grace. And we pray that you have a day of grace. Thank you. This is your host, Dr. Adrian Butler, and welcome to A Moment of Grace. I hope that you're having a great day today for, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and we be glad in it. I know everybody that listens to us uh, are not Christians, not believers, um, but it feels good to say, you know, to know that someone has a divine hand on your life, to know that you have a relationship outside of the human relationships we have. And we honor those relationships. You know, the truth is today that everything is in flux. One thing leads us to another. Um, Heraclitus, the philosopher, you know, I'm always into philosophers and ancient religions and things of that nature. When you find truth, truth has no agenda. But Heraclit, the um, philosopher from uh, around 560 BCE, um, said that um, you can't step into the same river twice. And what Heraclit is saying is that um, the water is constantly flowing. There's always something moving and always something moving us to something different, moving us to something better. Sometimes... um, what moves us into something different may move us into our true purpose, but it might be connected to one of the most hardest things in our lives. Everything is flowing. Everything is moving. Even you, you're not the same person today than you were yesterday. When you listened to me the last time, you're a different person because your, uh, your body has uh, released itself, released skin cells and brain cells and everything else. So, We are constantly moving and to a new purpose. My guest today understands that all so much, how one thing can lead you into your purpose, even if the thing that leads you there is tragedy. And so we'd like to welcome to Moments of Grace, Lakeisha Benson. Welcome, uh, Lakeisha, to Moments of Grace. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is wonderful to have you here with us on Moments of Grace. Would you introduce yourself to uh, the audience, please? Sure. My name is Lakeisha Benson. I am the founder of the nonprofit called NOLA Network. Uh, NOLA stands for No Other Life Affected. Um, hail from Seneca, South Carolina. And I'm 42-year-old. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm a 42-year-old mother of two. Okay. Well, wonderful. Well, we, we do welcome you here to to moments of grace and um this uh the nola network um sounds like that it it has uh some power pack um movement to it but how did that start 
Now, I know you're a mother of two, so uh, down in Seneca, South Carolina, and now you're on a podcast, you're going to be all over the world. So uh, tell me how did the NOLA (laughs) Network begin and and what what precipitated for you to start this nonprofit? Um, Well, in 2017, my eldest son, March 30th, 2017, my eldest son, um, his name is Javaris Benson, but we call him Vari. Um, He suffered a sudden cardiac arrest. Okay. and um passed away I'm sorry so thank you um up until that time i had not heard of sudden cardiac arrest both of my children were uh lifelong athletes totally healthy uh never had any issues come up from physicals or anything and he had just transferred to chuan university in murfreesboro north carolina and was playing on campus with a group of friends uh playing basketball when he collapsed and uh, suffered a sudden cardiac arrest and passed away. Um, were there any, and you say there were no indications when he was born, no no birth defects or, or in, any any diagnosis when he was younger? I, no, Var began playing sports when he was six years old and he never had a physical that or anything that was abnormal. Um, and with our organization, we work on health equity. And the reason for that is because there was one time when he was 19 years old, he was outside in the yard um, playing basketball. Okay. And um, he burst in the door and his mom, I think I'm having a heart attack. And, and uh, even I thought he was joking at first. I said, well, right. what are you, Rory, what are your symptoms? Like, what's wrong? And um, just his personality, he was not a complainer. Um, but he did joke a lot. So, okay. um, so when I said that, he said, Mom, I'm serious. I just uh, fell down. I collapsed. And I didn't ask another question. I grabbed my keys and we went to the hospital. Now, how old, um, was, he then? How old was he then? He was 19. Okay. So th- this is this is when he passed or is this an early no, event? No, oh, this is an early away. event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He passed away when he was 21. I got you. Okay. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So that particular day, we visited the local emergency room and, uh, you know, told them that he had collapsed, you know, and passed out, collapsed and um, was having chest pains. And we were met with uh, what I immediately um, at my age had, you know, was able to recognize that I felt like there was some some bias and uh, I certainly uh, tagged it as racism. Um, and my, it is my belief that because he was an athletic and young African-American male, uh, yes, I think, uh, because she immediately asked about drugs. Ah, And so, um, so, so let me, let me stop you here, Lakeisha. So Mm -hmm. you you bring your, you bring your son into the, into the emergency room, of course, um, Mm -hmm. of, of course, you know, with your own, with what you're telling me no history of you know running back and forth to the emergency room nothing habitual so any doctor or anybody that is has any sensibility and logic would think that there is something wrong because this is not someone who brings their child i know some parents have been pastoring a long time i know Mm -hmm. some parents who take if the, the child gets a cold they're at the hospital if they uh a toenail whatever they're at the hospital <laughs> but but this was not this was not your normal visit to the emergency room 
So, uh, so no, not the case. He'd never been to the emergency room before. Wow, wow. And so when you get there, um, because again, like I said, we have listeners all over the world. Um, our second listenership, um, 2021, is is in Puerto Rico, and the second one, believe it or not, is in Ireland and, and Australia. So, um, they may not have a connotation or understanding as they listen to mm -hmm. what made you as a mother um, feel as if there was some um, some bias going on. What was said, what was, you know, other than just a feeling, you know, mm -hmm. what was how were you treated that you feel wasn't equitable? Well, for me, I, I suffer from sickle cell anemia, so I personally have had frequent uh, visits to the emergency room. My children gotcha. just have not. Gotcha. And so I was able to recognize the difference in the way I have been treated as opposed to the way he was treated that day. Mm. Um, they do typically ask you a normal, it's a normal battery of questions to say, you know, well, have you used any drugs or alcohol? Um, none of those things were um, upsetting to me, but she circled back around to, so you don't smoke or do drugs. Mm. After he had initially answered Answer the first the question. time. Right. Mm -hmm. mm. And, um, and he said, no, ma'am. Now, it wasn't, I don't think, overt racism. And I think that's what people typically look for. Mm. Um, it's, but it is not the people calling you the N-word or or that that is is troubling it is the cover it's the um it's those times COVID. where someone just immediately implies that you're using drugs because you could not be sick you know right. um or being ignored and there are so many statistics that back up the fact that Frequently, African Americans do not receive the same standard or level of care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was not as aware of that prior to his death, um, but I have become a, a voice for that since then because my research has just shown, and especially in uh, cardiac care. Mm -hmm. um, and so, oftentimes, it is not the um, that we're predisposed to the death, but our symptoms are usually overlooked and oftentimes the same tests are not ran when you make your first complaint so your disease tends to progress right. so that um you know there and there's tons of literature out there about that but oh, I'm, I'm with you 100 i believe you can correct me if i'm wrong but i believe it's it's the the, the last statistic that i saw was there's a 69 percent difference between um how african americans are cared for than the, their Caucasian counterparts with the exact same symptoms. So right. your research may have shown something different, but uh, in what we have read, it's a 69% uh, a difference. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. That That's, it is. that's, that's between, um, really between life and death. Uh, matter of seconds, matter of care, uh, the uh, uh, medicine that you receive, the care that you receive, um, you, you know, so one in, you know, uh, so for every one patient, let's put this in perspective, guys. So every for every one Caucasian or uh, uh, patient, there are 69 African-American patients that are not treated the same as that one patient. So that could be 69 more deaths right. <laughs> that are connected to every one Caucasian that is treated differently. And so I'm sorry, my sister, but I just wanted to want to show I was reading and doing research a little bit. 
no I'm so glad that you I'm glad that you're aware because oftentimes it's difficult to get people to understand that I think that I've had many people um listen to me and and follow our story because if they can't connect on the level of racism they can connect as a parent that lost a child needlessly um because his death was needless and it was preventable had um proper tests been run at that point so um with sudden cardiac arrest um it is the it's the greatest killer um it's the greatest cause of death for youth athletes um it's the greatest cause of death the number one cause of death on um excuse me i'm sorry of student athletes on school campuses but it's very little talked about um some statistics say 7,000 per year deaths per year. Some say uh, greater than 12. Um, frequently, they're just not um, testing for it. Um, and it has increased since COVID. So it is, it is an epidemic within itself, killing uh, young adults. But it's very little talked about. And so, you know, I've been on a, I've been, you know, researching and kind of on a quest to help in these deaths because most of them are preventable that's However, a sad reality that, that's yeah. a sad reality is is something that could be avoided you know de- absolutely a death absolutely. that can be avoided and just <clears throat> of the onus of care mm-hmm. uh, location what i like to do if i can is we'd like to take a little small break and, and sure. when we come back we want to continue our conversation and i want to talk a little bit more about um and again, we want to honor your son um, because your um, your network, this nonprofit you started, um, unfortunately, his death precipitated you to find another purpose. And 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 like you said, right now, this crusade of ending un, unwarranted and un, you know deaths that could be avoided. Um, right. And so we want to we want to partner with you on, on whatever you, you you're, you're doing to bring to light um, this 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 uh, as you put it an epidemic in itself. So when we come back, we want to continue to have this conversation. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. This is your host, Dr. Adrian Butler, and we're talking with Lakeisha Benson, um, who has a nonprofit, the NOLA Network, and. Um, their hearts, your heart has to go out to this mother. Um, we know that Mothers Against Drunk Driving uh, started when uh, so many children were, were killed and families were uh, decimated by um, drunk drivers. Uh, also, Mothers Against uh, Guns and, and you know what happened down in Parkland that these tragedies birth a consciousness within us and within our society that we may not have had. Uh, When we come back, we're going to continue to have our conversation with Lakeisha about her son and this wonderful work that she's doing, this nonprofit that she's doing. This is your host, Dr. Adrian Butler, and we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, when we started this podcast on January 5th, 2020, never thought that we would have the acclaim that we have and touch the lives that we have. It has been such a blessing. 
And we could not have the achievements or couldn't even stay on the air without you. I want to thank you so much and ask you today to partner with us here on Moments of Grace. You can come in at any level. And when you do, I'll send you my latest book, Managing the Miracle. And I want to thank you in advance for being a partner of Moments of Grace. Have you ever wanted to learn how to trade in the stock market, maybe for an exchange or even how to buy investment property? Check out this company that is teaching beginners how to become winners in the markets. It is TradeAcademyPro.com. Again, TradeAcademyPro.com. And we're back. We're talking with Lakeisha Benson, who uh, her son at age 21 had a cardiac event that could have been avoidable. Um, maybe the event could not have been avoidable, but his death could have been. Um, out of his death, uh, she started a nonprofit, the NOLA Network. And so we'd like to welcome back to Moments of Grace, uh, Lakeisha Benson. Welcome back, Lakeisha. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> uh, we're, we're again, we're so happy to have you with us. Be before we went on a break, we were talking about these these deaths that are avoidable. And you were mm -hmm. giving us some statistics. You know, we're, we're talking statistics. I, I love, there's one thing that people that know me know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a statistic nerd um, because I can tell you, you know, that, um, you know, so many frogs are in the pond. But now when I tell you, that there's specifically hundred frogs in the pond, it brings some validity to what we're talking about. And you were giving us mm -hmm. statistics. I know I was I was as well. And you were saying that for the for athletes, uh, cardiac arrest is the number one killer of athletes. But I also want to piggyback on that. It's also the number one killer of African American males as right. well. Um, so. So this, so the the word epidemic. When people hear that, um, other than when COVID came along, I think we have it's kind of like wall uh, paint drying. People don't really pay attention to it like they should. But this is really an epidemic. The the, the cardiac arrest uh, events uh, leading to death is really a a very serious issue that we really need to take. We really need to take pause and and pay attention to. And so with that said, would you continue to share with us? Uh, so you were giving us the statistics about that, but now um, with your with, with your son, you also felt there was some bias. Uh, I don't know if there's any legal going on or anything with the hospital, but um, how did you bring to the administration of that hospital's attention that, hey guys, this could have been avoided and this is why? Well, you know, initially, um, okay, so in 50%, and the statistics I gave you were just for ages 21 and younger who suffer sudden cardiac um, arrest. So it's the number is much larger if you include, um, you know, those over 21. But in 50% of, and a sudden cardiac arrest is different from a heart attack. Okay. <clears throat> but 
in 50% of uh, youth that suffer a sudden cardiac arrest, there's no symptoms. But my son had them and was and was ignored. So um, when he was seen, I told you she's kind of circled back around to the uh, asking him about drugs again. Um, And when she left and they ran some tests and she came back in and the first thing that she said was, well, your toxicology screen was clear. Which implies <laughs> that's I'm not looking I mean? for anything else. I've asked you right, about drugs that and you're lying. Right, 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 right. Um, and I said, we knew that. Can you please tell us what's wrong wow. with his heart wow. or his chest? And she says to me, his heart is healthier than mine. I will never forget those words. Wow. And she said, I suspect he has anxiety, but your son is perfectly healthy. So, so there's two things that I've, I've learned uh, when, and, and for those that are in the medical profession, you all slap my hand later on. There's two things that I've learned when, and I'm going to use this word, I don't use it loosely, when you have incompetence uh, within the medical profession. There's two things mm-hmm. I've hear, heard, anxiety and mm-hmm. gout. Oh. These, are, these are broad terminologies used to, I just want you to go away. I don't really want to do my job. I don't want to run any more tests. And you're just dealing with stress or anxiety, or you have gout. It's mm-hmm. a, it's become a blanket diagnosis. And unfortunately, that blanket diagnosis cost your son his life, didn't it? It did. It did. I did not, because I immediately felt like there was some bias, I did follow up with his <clears throat> physician. Um, it was not his regular physician but it was you know nurse practitioner in the office and she looked at what the uh doctor did and she said well i think they were pretty thorough she now let me circle back to say she never asked him any question that would help her diagnose that anxiety i work as a direct care therapist um i'm sorry counselor with youth and so i work with um children that have anxiety so it shocked me i didn't think he had anxiety but you know i thought maybe i could be wrong you know because it's my own child but um the next position that we saw and i made the complaint there that i felt like they were biased i was very displeased with i felt like she was discourteous and rude to my son um i was rude to her if i'll be honest uh, because he was not uh, he was there, yes ma'am, no ma'am, but I was livid because I was concerned. Um, I gave him his, <clears throat> I gave her his whole medical history, which he did not have any medical problems. However, there was extensive cardiac issues on his father's side of the family. Wow. <clears throat> that I shared, and I, and he had sickle cell trait because I have sickle cell disease. Right. So all of those things predispositioned him to have a sudden cardiac arrest. I and you shared all this with the doctor, with, with these with these physicians. I did. I myself did not know that that predispositioned him because I did of not course. know what sudden cardiac arrest was. Right. But the information was shared, so I would have assumed the medical professional would have known. Um, I have just found that out since this time. So um, the second physician that, that uh, didn't catch it, I would not say that it was biased. I would say that um, she tried to rule out anxiety and she said it it's a, it could be. So would you like to take medicine for that? And if that doesn't help, then we'll move on to something else. Uh, he said he did not want to take medicine for it. And 
Um, now, let know, me ask you a question because, again, your son is an athlete. He's healthy. He's out there playing basketball. Then is right. doing his last event. <laughs> um, as a, you've worked with children yourself. Did mm-hmm. you see as and like you said, you got a little rude because the mama bird, the, the mama bear kicked in. Absolutely. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I'm, 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 you know, I, I understand. I totally understand because even at 19, um, he's been raised by somebody that has taught him to be respectful of his elders. Absolutely. And, and, and unfortunately, um, what she may have saw was again, 19 year old African-American male here in this city. I've seen mm-hmm. all this before type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of taking each case individually. Um, but the mama bear kicks in and at this point, it may be, well, he's, he has anxiety. Let me get you out of here. Type right. Of, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that was, was so, but I'm, I'm, I'm so, so I want to move to the second um, position because it sounds like they were trying to be a little bit more thorough. They were ruling, ruling out things now. Okay. He's in, he's 19. He's in college at this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And any, any, any problems in school? I mean, and, and we're just being honest with our question. No, not at all. Uh, no, any problems all. in school? Any any grades or girlfriend problems? Any issues mm-hmm. there? No, he had he had nothing going on that would have made me think or him that he had anxiety, and he was right. pretty. Gotcha. Um, um, but her questions made me think. She, I remember her asking, um, "Well, do you like being in large crowds?" And he said, "No, he didn't really like to. You know, he was kind of a loner. He had a lot of friends, mm-hmm. but he." He was okay being by himself as well. Socially, ex- so, ex- ex- uh, um, um, socially, um, um, like to you know, like you said, he liked to stay by himself, but he, he he didn't mind being in a crowd. He he said he didn't enjoy it when she gotcha. asked. She said, gotcha. "Do you like being in large crowds?" And gotcha. he said, "Not not really." Um, and what I, I always saw that was just his personality. Gotcha. Even from a young child, he people liked him, and he could be in the crowd. But you'd often see him kind of like go off to himself. He could be fine and being a wallflower back. if if he could, but he was fine. He, he was <laughs> yeah. I call you know the word I was trying to do was a social extrovert. Um, you know that I'm, I'm fine in a, in 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 a social setting, but if I can it, I can take it or leave it. A social extrovert. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was just his personality. People like to be around him. I don't gotcha. know if he liked to be around people. If that <laughs> I makes gotcha. sense. <laughs> yeah, that does. That does. <laughs> um and so I think after that we thought, well maybe maybe it is, you know. But he did say he didn't want any medication for it and he never had another symptom. Okay. So because of that you know, the next the next time it occurred, unfortunately, was when he passed away. Um, and so uh, when I fought, you know, got the uh, autopsy, because I didn't know what happened. I just got a call that Vari was playing basketball. He passed out. He stopped breathing. Nobody knew there was no, and he had just transferred. So he had just moved in January, seven hours away. So I unfortunately couldn't even get to him when that happened um so it took four months to get the autopsy and when it came back my physician looked it over and he said it's rare or they consider it rare there's a like I said set between seven and twelve thousand deaths per year but that's rare he said however 
when he was seen the first time. They looked for a heart attack and they tried to rule out drug use. That's what they were focused on was drug use. And he said, but most 19-year-olds are not having a heart attack. Right. A sudden cardiac arrest comes from a heart defect. Okay. And that is what they should have been ruling out because he collapsed. And so that was when um, I, I did. And my doctor, my physician encouraged me to sue. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's rare, you know. Uh, very much. They're so. like the blue wall, you know. They're, exactly. They're usually, and <laughs> so, but he was very like he said, you have you have a case, and you need. They should have been diligent, and that cost your son his life. Mm. Um, what he suffered from was um, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So his left ventricle was double the size it should have been, and he said that that took years for it to get to that point. So they should, they would have easily saw it if they did an um, echocardiogram, and so, one was so not they done. didn't do an e an, a, a EKG. They did. Um, well, they didn't do an echo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, um, yeah. So, so I think so, an EKG is an electrocardiogram. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. An I'm, echo that he was needed. Slap mm-hmm. my hand. You're, you're right. Um, but it, just that one test, other than um, spending time on the drug piece mm-hmm. um, just a shift of another test could have shown them this defect to include Definitely. you're giving them the history that your mm-hmm. your husband had um, uh, some cardiac cardiac uh, issues on his side as well as with your um, sickle cell which all of that should have thrown a flare up no matter how healthy he is that there, mm-hmm. there's some some genetic issues there Mm-hmm. Um, so share with us, y- your doctor has encouraged you to do this. And, um, so n- my next question to you is how hard was it to find a lawyer? Because again, you just mentioned the, the, <laughs> this, 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 uh, tall blue wall, uh, for mm-hmm. a doctor to say that about the, the medical profession, um, we also know sometimes, and there may be somebody out there that's listening, um, it's usually difficult to find a, an attorney in the city that you live in uh, with a case like that. Now, I don't know if that was the case with you or not. And then we, we want to get to your nonprofit. Um, it was not difficult at all. Okay. The first well, one I spoke to took the case. Um, the issue, and, and this was me for me personally, was I had a harder time because it was four months before, well, five months before I got the autopsy. I had a harder time with his death once I found out it was preventable than I did before. And so I more or less, you know, when I spoke to the attorney, they said I'd have to sue both doctors Mm -hmm. um, because you can't get an echo without a referral and neither of them made a referral to a cardiologist. Mm -hmm. So they thought they felt like it was negligence on both parts. And I was more concerned with the bias that we experienced the first time, mm-hmm. as opposed to um, what I felt like was a well-meaning physician that may have overlooked it. She was trying to rule out what the first physician diagnosed. Right. And um, and so my, my feelings or my hard feelings were really fixated on the first woman. Um, because further, and I left this part out, but when we were leaving, even she said, even though, you know, she, this just shows how focused she was on drug use. 
she said that uh, with anxiety, frequently people self-medicate with marijuana. Wow. So, so if wow. you have ever, <laughs> what in the world? Yeah, she was so focused oh, on it. Like I, I frequently wow. get so, so many things that she said that sometimes I leave part of. So it out. you 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 need you need a feather, and she's a jackhammer. You know, yeah. you, mm-hmm. you need mm-hmm. you need you need bedside manner, but I'd rather flip the bed over. Right. Uh, wow. Because at some point when she when she asked the second time, I had interrupted her and I said, ma'am, I cannot assure you that my 19 year old has never tried marijuana. Of course. But what I can tell you for sure is he was not doing it at home with his mother when he collapsed. So can we move on? Um, because you know, I'm not to say that my children are perfect. They're they're well mannered. They're well behaved. They never got in any trouble. But I work with teenagers, so I know. Of course. The teens will do things. Right. But I knew, I know my children, and I was personally assaulted because I felt like you're implying that this is happening in my home. I'm telling right. you, I'm home washing dishes, and and my son's in the front yard, and and you keep asking him about the drugs. I know he wasn't doing anything while I was there. You know, so. Um, so anyway, on the way out the door, and she said, well, um, oftentimes people with anxiety self-medicate with marijuana. So if you have ever smoked, make sure, leave the grass alone. Wow. I mean, I wanted to kill her. Amazing. I was furious. Now she's already done drug tests, so she understands and knows mm-hmm. that, that this is not, this is not what, what's connected to this. Mm-hmm. But she still, did not she, she did not discuss any other tests. She did not discuss with us anything else. Um other all she said was, Well, your toxicology screen was clear, your heart tilty, you have anxiety. You know. Um, she didn't you know, there was no other thing that she brought up to us. Yeah, so, malpractice insurance should have kicked in. Yeah. 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 You yeah, you should and I understand <laughs> you probably did not trying to uh, you know, you had compassion for the other, other, other doctor, but this is the unfortunate piece: is that it, even though she may have been, or he, I don't know who it was, has, has, was well, was well-meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also, this may be also their motor apparatus that mm-hmm. the next young person that comes in, they're taking and still not referring somebody to a cardiologist. So so realistically, right. as the lawyer told you, it is both, it was both of them. At, I, I think that now, but at the time, I can I understand. tell you, I was, so, I was so grieved yeah. and so hurt and, and angry. Right. Um, and, and through my uh, journey with grief, I found that that gave me something to focus on being angry with. I, I'm a person of faith. And so I struggled with, grief because uh frequently you know if you lose somebody you have something to blame it on it's an illness or or someone took their life if there's a drunk driver there was no one for me to focus my anger on but god and i did not want to be angry at god so i didn't know what to what to do you know um you don't hear of your healthy 21 year old just dropping dead essentially is what happened so that was a struggle for me and then the moment my doctor said they didn't do what they should have done i felt rage rage boil up in me and and my anger was singularly focused on that woman um and so anywho um for it to be healthy for me i kind of had to leave it alone for a while um and now there is litigation now so um 
understand. Uh, I, it was yeah, the last at the last minute, like right before the. Uh, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the term now. Statute of limitations ran out. Uh, I decided to move forward. I got you. So got we're you. in litigation now. I got you. Now through all <clears> of <throat> you have started the Nola Network. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so this, you know, here is something. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the Bible speaks about beauty for ashes. Mm-hmm. Here is the beauty that has been birthed out of you out of this the ashes of this tragedy with your son so share with us what the nola network is and we also want to see how people can get in contact with you and how they can learn more about what you're doing okay so um we are again nola this has nothing to do with new orleans it's uh stands for no other life affected and um that's something that Vari Vari was also a writer and he had uh, written something called NOLA and so we just wanted to use that name but um, we work with on health equity right because um, we want to make sure that no other life is affected by implicit bias in healthcare or education because through my work and personal experiences and the things that have happened to my family um, I recognize that that occurs in both sectors of course Um, and when we launched you know there was a lot in the media about um, implicit bias in the judicial system and with police brutality and that is something that is focused on and it it certainly is a problem but I believe from my personal experience that there have been more biased teachers that have uh, derailed lives and more biased physicians that have ended lives than uh, police officers. And so these are areas that I think need to be focused on. We need to talk about it. We need to create awareness. Let, let, let me put a pin in it right there because okay. you, um, your, the depth of thought of what you just said is, is magnanimous. It's, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's been more teachers that have derailed lives and doctors that have lost lives mm-hmm. than than the police because we see the police shootings and all that's overt and we see that and uh, we're marching for that and these things but um i had someone that that shared something with me one time and, and what you said that's why i said i, I stopped for for our conversation here mm-hmm. and um i was um, the the community, one of the communities we lived in, uh, was a very uh, affluent um, community in the state that we lived in, and one of the schools was you know top ten type schools. Um, and so, talking with one of my uh, coworkers, and that I was happy we had moved into this particular community, and happy about the school system above above all because we had young children at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and um, they made something that they made a statement that was so powerful. That part, that statement stuck with me. And when you said that, it it um, it uh, pulled back up that 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 thought process. Is that even though that's the best school system, that doesn't mean your child is getting the best education. Oh, that's the word. <laughs> and so that's that that just so that that really really hit me that every time we sat in front of my kids um, um, teachers 
mm-hmm. that I was, they always directed towards my wife because I guess, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm former military, but sweet, sweet as sweet as I can be. But I'm kind of like you. you. You're the mama bear. Mm-hmm. When it comes to them baby bears, you believe me, daddy bear uh, has a has a growl you never want to hear. And right. So, <laughs> so, so when when they said that, it, it I almost had a magnifying glass. And thank God, they had some some great teachers uh, in that school and that, that portion of their life. But again, I didn't put it on autopilot. Um, it, I was aware of this could happen and right when you said that um and and i can remember let me say this just i can remember because when i my early education was in new york and one of my uh, teachers uh, she was african-american too um when i got ready to get out of high school one of the things that she told me was no excuse me let me back up it was See, you can get stuff when you get old. You can start messing stuff up. But I don't it's tell okay. We're gonna tell the truth. <laughs> you know, over the course of my life, I had certain. Um, I, I had uh, some did pretty decent and everything. But when I got to college, uh, one of my teachers told me it would probably be better for you to go into the factory than academics may not be your thing. Mm. Oh, <laughs> this is in college. Oh wow! When okay. I when I received my PhD and wrote my first book, I wanted to make sure. <laughs> I know that was petty. <laughs> that was the petty me. <laughs> I wanted to make sure she had a copy <laughs> of Dr. Adrienne R. Butler's first book <laughs> because I was I the same it. student that she told that I should go into manual labor and not go into academics. And so mm-hmm. you are so right. Because if I had listened to her, and in fact, um, and uh, let me let me back up a little bit also, and we're gonna finish. I'm sorry. I, I, no, you're I'm fine. No, I love this. But 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 uh, one of my best teachers I had was in the third grade, and he was so encouraging, and he ended up dying of cancer. He was Jewish. His name was Mr. Jekyll. Um, but I absolutely adored that man, and if he had told me what my college professor had told me, there's no doubt in my mind. I would have went another way. Right. It was always so encouraging. Even when I was messing up, I love what he would always tell my parents in the parent teaching conference was he has great potential. And I heard that. Mm-hmm. I heard that in the fourth grade and the third grade. And he, like I say, he died. And I went to my, went to his funeral. It was one of the first time that someone outside of my own family, I experienced that. But I heard that. And that he had potential, even though I ran across teachers that may not have been kind or loving or understanding. I always heard that third grade teacher who died of cancer, Mr. Jekyll, he has potential. And even that teacher in my first year of college that told me I would do better going into manufacturing than into academics. Mr. Jekyll had to override that. Unfortunately, everybody doesn't have a Mr. Jekyll. Right. You you kind of hit the nail on the head on while we, while we got started. And, you know, I could talk to you all day and we could have a whole nother because my, you know, I told you I had two children. Right. So I had right. Javaris Vari who um, suffered the discrimination in health care. Well, my youngest son, Ja'Cory, suffered it in education. Hmm. And so 
but he had a learning disability um, and he was I, I'll never forget his teacher telling him in third grade well his talent is in sports mm. in, in other words don't even try uh, to learn don't right. even try to learn <laughs> and both of my children were great athletes mm -hmm. uh, but Barry was a gifted student and Corey had a learning disability, mm -hmm. but his IQ was above average. Gotcha. But his performance was below because he just learned differently. And as a family, we learned to adjust. And he graduated with honors. However, wow. um, he was, uh, um, but in elementary school, there was a struggle. And so the NOLA network was not truly my idea. It was birthed from Vari and Cor from Corey's struggle and from Vari wanting to help his brother and the two of them um, wanting to make sure other young athletes didn't go through the same thing and be lumped into just oh you're just good in sports and for to help with their self-esteem so what their vision was was more of a um, you know mentorship and you know like a brotherhood kind of help mold young men to know that they could do whatever they wanted to do and so we certainly have pivoted from their initial idea, but that is really where it was birthed from. So I had two children, so we have two programs. We have the gotcha. health equity and the educational equity, and they intersect. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. They, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, intersections between uh, health and education and your outcomes. So our goal is to improve the educational and health outcomes. Um, for uh, different populations, you don't have to be a minority, but certainly in rural areas or um, or you know low income families, we just know that certain people uh, experience different. bias in right. these areas, and they are not able to achieve their full potential because the people that are servicing them are biased. I got you. So that that's is, where we are. That's all. All of this is 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 wonderful and, and and i'm i'm we're totally behind everything that you're doing um how can people get in contact with you and how can they find out more is there a website um there is. okay can you give mm -hmm. us that information and how we can get in contact with you we got about five more minutes here okay it's uh network.org and um you know, all of our contact information is on there. Uh, you can email me at info at the org. And, um, you know, right now we're we're working on uh, doing a heart screen. I'm sorry, I hear my, my dog's making noise now. <laughs> he was quiet this whole time. But um, we're working on, um, you know, education uh, uh, and teaching like parents, student athletes, and um, people in the community about sudden cardiac arrest and how to prevent it. Because oh. uh, if you respond within the first three minutes, uh, you have a 75% uh, chance of uh, survival. Mm. But after that first three minutes, um, 
it it drops by 50%, I think. Uh, and, and very few people uh, live through that, very few youth. So we want to um, provide free and low-cost uh, heart screenings. That's just one of the things that we do. That's not, um, you know, the focus of our organization. But we do understand that most a lot of young people, they're not getting the referrals. And especially with COVID, it's increased that risk. Wow, I can so, imagine. Um, you know, so you just want to remove the middleman. You don't need the referral if you can go to an organization that can uh, just actually do the screening for you. And we have volunteer cardiologists that will read it um, and, you know, help save lives. So that's one of the things that we're doing at the end of March here in South Carolina. So, uh, but our, again, our focus is on total health equity and educational equity. So we'd love for everybody to get involved. This is a problem nationwide and worldwide. And uh, I believe if we can create the awareness and help families learn how to advocate for themselves in the healthcare and education system, then uh, we can begin to save lives. So. Amen, amen. Um, and thank you so much for all that you're doing. And <clears throat> like I said, unfortunately, um, you know, these, these changes are coming, um, uh, trailing tragedy for you and your family. And so you have our condolences for the loss of your son, but we also want to celebrate your heart for what you're doing with, um, with NOLA, uh, the NOLA network. Um, the, the other question I had is, have you come alongside any other organization, um, that deals with, um, inequity, maybe Black Lives Matter, uh, ACLU, or, or something along those lines. Have you come alongside any other organizations that already have a footprint in, or foothold in certain areas, and even a footprint, um, you know, media-wise and everything? Is there, have you come alongside any of these organizations? Not, not yet. No. Okay. Um, there's a small organization called um, Save a Rose, um, and we've done some work together. Um, what has happened was when George Floyd passed away, I actually just wrote a Facebook post, so just something small that went viral. So actually, uh, the Today Show covered me, and that wow. helped me connect with some um, universities. So I've been able so myself personally have been able to speak at um the new york medical college and um i think it's just the personal story of what happened with uh with vari and how that affected me personally and um you know we just didn't have enough time for me to go through the whole what what happened um again even in plus the death. host talks a lot doesn't he i know no 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 it's just a long story that's all but I, have to, death, I, I, I say that all the time to my <laughs> wife. She will listen to this and she, she's going to get on me and say, now, didn't nobody ask you about New York, you growing up and all that? She, I, I no, know she, I'm glad that you did. She's your homegirl from Seneca. So you know how you all are. Y'all are, are very intelligent. Y'all are no nonsense. So she's going to get me. <laughs> I have... I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. And again, um, uh, Lakeisha, uh, we wish you, you and your family the, the best. And, um, and, and what I'd like to do is as you're moving forward, we'd like to get you back on the show maybe this year. And, you know, as you have any, um, any movement going on with the organization, something new that's coming up, we'd love for you to come mm -hmm. 
me your story again, okay? So we're- I would love we're to. An open invitation to you. And the next time, maybe I'll let my wife host and I'll be quiet <laughs> and let you talk. <laughs> I enjoyed listening to you and talking to you. I, I like the conversational style as well. So I appreciate you for having me. And um, I will be having the book come out, but we don't have a date yet, a publication date. So I would love to come back. Well, we would love to have you. So you have an open invitation when that book comes out. And I know that, um, you know, that, you know, you, you had the Today Show and all these big folk <clears throat> that had you on their show. But we got you now. So when, yeah. you, when your book comes out, we want to have you back on, on Moments of Grace to, to share your book and and uh, just just to kind of uh, share your story and love with, with the audience again. I, would, I can't wait. I am looking forward to it. Wonderful, Thank you wonderful. so much for having me. Oh, no. It was such a pleasure to have you. Such a pleasure to have you. Um, we, we've, we've been talking with uh, Lakeisha Benson, who has started a, a beautiful um, nonprofit, the NOLA Network. Unfortunately, out of the inequity of two areas of health care and education, one unfortunately cost her son his life. The other has just shown that there is some bias based on the color of people's skin, bias based on economics, bias based on someone's thought process against someone else. If we're going to make any changes, I love what uh, Gandhi said, we must first be the change we expect to see in the world. Mm. And this mother has taken on that challenge. And for you, I want to challenge you. If there's some change that you want to see in the world, a change you want to see in your community, a change you want to see in your life, you start right where you are. And I guarantee you, if you pour enough of yourself into something, it will overflow into others. And with that said, we, we thank you so much for being with us here on Moments of Grace, dear hearts. We thank you for listening. We thank you for your love, for all the letters that we get and all the comments that are made. And we know we are touching someone's lives. If we weren't, then we wouldn't have any reason to do this. People like Lakeisha's story and the other stories that we hear, great stories of some tragic, but also some triumphant, makes us know that we're all in this together. And with that said, we look forward to having you again here on Moments of Grace. Remember, love God, love life. Keep the light on. We'll see you next time on Moments of Grace. Mm -hmm.